Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Basically Gen Z. May is Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month, so Ellie and I thought that we could do an episode on being Asian American or growing up Asian American, but with a little spin. And before we continue with today's episode, don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. And also don't forget to leave us a review. And if you have any topic suggestions for us to talk about, please email us at basicallygenzpods at gmail.com. And also, I want to give a shout out to my dental hygienist, Kevin, who may or may not be listening to this episode. So if you are, thank you. Okay, now let's get on to the episode. All right, from um, watching other Asian American content on this topic, um, growing up Asian American in America, most of them grew up in white minority areas, but Ellie and I were um, fortunate enough to grow up in a town where um, we grew up with many other kids looking like us, mm-hmm. and we did grow up in like an Asian and people of color majority area and honestly at school i think at most i've had the most i've ever like the most like white um kids or classmates that i've ever had or like um like five at at in one class like yeah. that was the most the mm-hmm. rest of my classmates are asian or other ethnicities of color um, so we wanted to make an episode about what it was like for us to grow up as a relative majority at school and in this area. But once we are out of this, I guess, bubble, how it was for us to realize that we are um, like a minority and how that fits into the bigger picture of, I guess, the racial fabric of the United States. Mm-hmm. And also something that kind of started this episode and started us talking is because Katie experienced something while at work. Yeah, let's get into that. Um, I will say as a preface, um, growing up, because I did grow up in a more Asian slash people of color area, in my, I guess, growing up years, I did not experience a lot of of um i guess racial aggression i was kind of sheltered from that in this community mm-hmm. but what happened at work um a couple of days ago just reminded me that you know i am a minority in this country and that our our area ellie and i's town is really a um sort of a bubble for for like sheltering us like that so what happened was I work at a jewelry store. I do paperwork and I, um, in this situation, I was doing a paperwork. I was writing up a repair, making the repair envelope and then the slips and making copies for this um, old lady that happened to be white. And then, so she, I was finishing up her things and then she goes and talks, tells my manager. My manager is... Um, Let's give you a little context. He is Armenian. I don't know if that has anything to do with um, why he acted the way he acted. Um, I will say that he's, you know, my manager who happens to be Armenian. And so I'm finishing ringing this lady up. And then I'm giving her all her slips and letting her know that, you know, we're going to have her thing ready in two weeks. And then she can come in and pick it up at her convenience. And then she says, oh, 
you have a very efficient office girl working here to my manager. And to that, my manager says, yeah, isn't she the best? Which, like, that part was a compliment. I was, like, I was pretty happy that um, she called me efficient. Mm -hmm. And then she goes in and says, and she doesn't look a day older than 10. These damn Orientals, they never age, do they? Wow. And then that's when I, that's when I, like, realized that it wasn't really a compliment, that she called me efficient. And then I didn't, like, I was kind of in shock well and i didn't say anything and i also didn't want to say anything wrong Mm -hmm. so um my manager continues her conversation he goes i know right there's a lady that works here who is over who is 70 and she doesn't look a day older than 50 and then the white lady goes well if i were reincarnated again i would choose to be an oriental um i want to stay looking 12 until i'm 100 you know, my first date was with an Oriental. He was a Chinaman doing his residency at UCLA. Oh, um, wow. And then I know, like, when I heard, like, at, at first, I just thought her, like, vocabulary was, like, outdated. Like, because who uses Oriental anymore? Anyways, and but when she pulled in the Chinaman part, in my head, I was like, oh, like, like, what is this lady on about and i didn't know how to react because at this time like i didn't know what like 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 am i supposed to tell her off Is is she gonna be offended and not like give us her business but at the same time i'm just an employee at the store and i should be standing up for myself Mm -hmm. um but at that time i didn't because partially i was like in shock so i was kind of like frozen like, I just didn't know what to say. And then also, like, my manager, he's literally, like, 50 years old. Or he's nearing 60. He's 59 years old. And, like, shouldn't he have said something? Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, or maybe they're, like, in the same boat. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Like, I was just, like, I didn't know how to react. Yeah. And I'm sure, like, this my situation it's like a microaggression type situation and it's not it's not nearly as bad as the the you know outright attacks and aggressions on asian americans like in public yeah especially even especially more recently asians are being targeted and beat up and even stabbed as we saw in one of the recent attacks earlier this week in san francisco and if you compare that it's our aggression that gets quite a lot of media attention, but then even the microaggression that you see that people experience every day in life, that people don't usually pay attention to that as much. So that's kind of a something that, that we still need to pay attention to more. Yeah. What about your... I don't know if you have any experiences with um, microaggressions recently, but... Um... Yeah. So my friend also from UC Berkeley, while he was in SoCal on vacation, I think about a month ago or two months ago. So his family is Filipino, mm-hmm. and his family got spat on while in SoCal. So that was kind of a shock because, wow, that's like, that's hard to imagine. I mean, yeah, I, well, yeah. also, especially in SoCal, because people think SoCal is very diverse mm-hmm. or like very liberal, but um, like the fact that um a lot of these like aggressions or like a lot of these like um racial racially charged aggressions 
that they're happening in places like SoCal and San Francisco and New York, mm-hmm. in these like places where there are like higher populations of people of color. Multicultural, yeah. Yeah, it's just kind of disheartening to see that even in these areas where people there's like a higher population of people of color that um stuff like this is happening Mm -hmm. and also even a week ago my mom was at the supermarket well i wasn't there but she told me about this my mom was at the supermarket picking some kind of produce and then she she heard and also kind of saw out of the corner of her eye that someone uh walked past her and then kind of glared at her and called her this whispered under their breath disgusting and it was kind of targeted toward my mom so she didn't say anything of course because she didn't want to um it was two days passed by and then by the time she could react yeah. it was a bit too late i don't yeah i don't I don't understand why when we are, like, I guess, stepped on, why, like, our first instinct is to stay quiet. Because that was also my first instinct when she went in about the China man, the oriental part. And I think it also... Like, it was just like, oh. It also depends on who you're dealing with. Because if you react and then they get triggered and then they can kind of physically attack you and harm you, so it's worth, maybe in some people's mind, it's worth staying quiet rather than being hurt even more. Because if it's just a verbal mm. insult, it's not as serious as being hurt or physically hurt. Yeah, I guess that's true. And it's kind of a sad truth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's... Oh, and, yeah. and speaking of which, there I've heard from somewhere... That someone compared there's this analogy that compares racism towards the Asian American and Pacific Islander community as a somewhat a so called a bad apple and a basket of good apples. So when you see there's a rotten apple, you just people would just throw it out and kind of forget about it and the rest of the basket is so the so called good apples. So as you throw mm. out that aggression or you kind of forget about it kind of adds to the continuous aggression towards the asian community as people are we can talk about this later but there's this idea of the model minority and how that that kind of changes people's perspective of racism on us so what does it mean to be like a model minority and like a minority majority Mm mm-hmm Okay, so when we're talking about the quote-unquote minority-majority, it also depends on what group of Asian we're talking about. So I'll just give some Mm -hmm. context. According to the 2017 census estimates, there are 22.2 million AAPIs in the U.S. and about 5 million in the U.S. are of Chinese descent. 4.4 4.4 million are Asian Indian, 4 million are Filipino, 2.1 million are Vietnamese, 1.9 million are Korean, 1.5 million are Japanese. And as a group, the Asian community is considered highly educated with 87.5% having at least a high school diploma and 53% holding at least a bachelor's. So this is like a big picture overview and kind of when people hear this, they think, oh, the Asian community, it's they're highly educated and they're always working up, working in 
relatively well environment and working up the social ladder. But then this glosses over the mm-hmm. the differences in culture, religion, and ethnicity among the different groups. And so, of course, this can continue to add to this false sense of the model minority, which also mm-hmm. undermines the effect of racism towards Asians. And as Asians experience different kinds of racism, it makes these ra- uh, experiences less legitimate than those of other racial or ethnic minorities. Yeah, and those stats that Ellie read out are actually from the U.S. Census Bureau and the American Community Survey. Mm-hmm. So it is sort of statistical evidence of Asians being this, I guess, model minority. You know, um, 85% of us holding at least a high school diploma and the 53% at least holding a bachelor's degree. But when you compare um, like that sort of highly educated factor to the fact that you know Asians are less likely to move up the management ladder at yes, work yes. and um, less likely to be in leadership positions at work there is like a kind of disparity between like the competence of Asian Americans versus like the roles that they are able to have in the workforce and how there really is seems to be I guess, a cultural barrier or a stereotype that they have to overcome. Whereas, I'm not going to say it's not a problem for other races, but it's, there's less of a, there's less of a, um, like, there's less of a stark contrast between the level of education and the lack of um, leadership roles and management roles and, and promotions. perceptions of it are also different. Yeah, I will, yeah, I agree with that part. They don't see it as that big of a deal because there just is that like model minority like aura to a whole entire group that um, really works really hard for their you know success, but that does lead to many of their troubles being like like thrown out the window or like like um, invalidated. Mm-hmm. And also, some people might say like the views from the other side. People might say that the microaggressions and also the subtle forms of racism is and all that kind of quote-unquote triggers the asian american and pacific islander community it's actually not their problem but then the asian american community's problem for being overly sensitive yeah uh, i've heard this i guess argument or this point um it's said about a lot of um the the main point was that um college campus like safe spaces yes um aren't helpful because like there's no space safe space in real life and yes. i do agree that there is no safe space in real life um i feel like our hometown um being you know majority asian was a safe space a safe little bubble for us and it's not reflective of you know quote the real world but at the same time like you don't have to say those words. Mm-hmm. I, I get like uh, how do I? S- yeah, I yeah I understand that it's not it's not some you know World War Two um, level type aggression where there's actually like you know laws being out, passed um, to isolate Asian yeah. Americans. Yeah, I yeah or even like in other areas of the world, I know like it's not like 
people are, you know, well, okay, I was gonna say that it's not like people are trying to kill us, but people are. <laughs> I just realized that. <laughs> I was like, wait a second, yeah, like, I was gonna say, like, oh, it's just words, it's not like people are trying to kill us, and I was like, wait, people are trying to kill us. There's, like, the, all the stabbings, all the, um, beatings, like, yeah, everything, just, yeah, all the stabbings, like, just, yeah, I don't know. Then I guess, you know, this this is my this is our rebuttal to that to that like counter argument that Asians don't um or like the microaggressions they're not actually like aggressions mm-hmm. because they are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess we can move on to talk about how there is a level of subtle racism or I guess prejudice in within the Asian American community that I have observed and I'm I'm sure others can relate to this um, where there is a little bit of a rift between those who have immigrated here earlier versus those who are more recent immigrants. There is a term, it's called FOB, fresh off the boat, for those who are more new to this country, <laughs> more fresh as some would say. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> we know that there might be, some people might think there is a negative connotation to the word fob, and we do acknowledge that, but then, however, in our hometown, even the people who are fobs themselves, they call themselves fob, so that's why we're using this language to describe them. Yeah, and there is kind of like, um, I wouldn't say conflict, but I would say that it sometimes like American born Chinese call also like called like ABCs will try to sometimes distance themselves from fobs. Um mm-hmm. I'm not sure why. Okay. For um just like a, a little context, Katie was in ELD, so English language development in first grade, and I was in ELD in second grade. <laughs> and when we were in I think starting in 12th grade or 11th grade, we started teaching ESL, so English as a second language, and an ESL program where we tutor uh, mainly Chinese kids English. And growing up in, let's say, as someone who might not speak English that well in first grade, and then seeing the kids nowadays, it's a bit different because we can kind of see how the way that they interact and how how we were back then and how people are now the same immigrant group but then how there are differences in that same immigrant group does that make sense i don't know yeah it's really hard to put your finger on it but it's just like a different type of people based on the generation Mm -hmm. and those like kind of generational differences even those just like five years apart or ten years apart um, those really cause like a it's a barrier to really getting to know each other and like move on over the the sort of stereotypes and the the clicks because people um, I guess in high school people just tend to go where um, like they're the most similar to the others so I because of like those little clicks it's hard for everybody to sort of get together and get along. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I want to talk about how one of the main differences that I noticed is, let's say, the old generation of Asian-born Chinese, so ABCs, versus the new wave of 
so the so-called fobs is <laughs> and on our high school campus you can tell who are the different groups of people because mainly by the way they dress and then the way they act a lot of the i don't want to call them fobs but then that's what they call themselves so the fobs they usually dress with their hype beasts clothing the essentials the fear of god and their yeezys and they have their own cliques compared to the other asian americans who are more who have a relatively more diverse group of friends and uh, katie you asked the question of whether or not abcs try to distance themselves from the new wave um i wouldn't say they purposely do it but then it's mostly most of the time it's because of the language barrier because um if you look at the fobs they usually talk in mandarin most of the time while in the mm-hmm. abc's they just talk in english and so there's like that's one of the reasons why they have a more diverse group of people a group of friends and it's mostly because the there are differences in the pop culture they consume as well so i know a lot mm-hmm. of the new wave of agents in our community the the social media that they consume is different from what the abc's consume also the music and i will also uh, agree with ellie about the um language barrier because many abc's do not speak a second language like um english is their first language and it's like their only language and yeah it's probably mostly a language barrier and they have different preferences in their pop culture consumption like there's not that yes. much to talk about mm-hmm. um unless k-pop i will say k-pop um it's talking about it um it's like a common it's a good common like like ground sometimes when you talk yes, about like k-pop. yes yeah that's true mm-hmm. did you want to talk about richmond and vancouver yes i also wanted to talk about as the new influx of the new wave of Asians coming into the community it also raises the property prices of the city that we live in and also such examples we can see in Richmond and Vancouver in Canada because Canada I mean Vancouver and Richmond have a lot of Asian immigrants going there and then they're investing they're buying houses they're buying property and because they're there a lot of the house prices they are soaring and which mm-hmm. also means that the residents who who were there before them cannot afford the the high prices so which is sometimes why there is that kind of uh, maybe re- not really resentment but there is backlash some sort of feeling towards the agents for kind of um making their prices so high that even the residents themselves who were there way before could not even afford okay how okay i just thought of this but um maybe the influx of like money it does raise the housing prices and maybe it raises the rent of people who are renting but Mm -hmm. maybe that's a good thing for people that own property already before the yes that is rising house prices because yes. that just inflates their house price like what they so like say if they bought a home there for 30,000 in like 2010 before 
the the new influx of wealth. Thirty thousand. That's that's a really low price, even for twenty ten. Fine. Three hundred. Three hundred thousand. Okay. I'm okay. Sorry. Like. Okay. Okay. Like, let's okay. make the numbers realistic. I was just um just making a point, but let's make the numbers realistic. Maybe three hundred thousand. They bought like okay. a nice little single family home, or like mm-hmm. you know, whatever type family home. Um, yeah. And then you know the influx of wealth um, comes in, and then the property prices go up, 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 up. Their investment of yeah, their their initial investment of um three hundred uh three hundred thousand um that the because everyone else around the area their prices are growing, um that like just multiplies your investment by so much because um it. Like a house that was bought for like three hundred thousand in twenty ten, could be like a million, two million, anything up from yeah. that. So, um, I'm guessing that the people who own property, who owned properly property there before that hike in um price, are probably really happy yes. right now. But I will say that probably the renters or people that were looking to buy homes. But the prices just kept going up and up and up and up, and now maybe it might be impossible for them to buy a home or to buy the home that they're wishing for. Now maybe um, they're upset about it. Oh yeah, and I also wanted to ha- talk about something that I noticed, um, like especially a, uh, I noticed a change in behavior in one of my acquaintances, who happens to be Korean American. So when I wasn't. We were in the same elementary school, and I've noticed that she she tried to make herself seem as Americanized to fit in to the community, I would say. But then now, as mm-hmm. Korean culture becomes more popular with the Korean wave, also known as Hallyu, um, she kind of mm-hmm. I haven't talked to her in a long time, but I've noticed that she tries to be like the really super super Korean Korean, and even. Uh, putting on mm-hmm. her Instagram or her Korean name, only her Korean name, and just seeming to be very accepting of her of her Korean culture. So maybe mm-hmm. there is this change of how and when she was younger, she kind of pushed off her her Asianness to the side and wanting to feel quote unquote American. But then as people are as Asian culture and Korean media is being more mainstream and popular, maybe there might be a reason of why mm-hmm. she's super accepting. I wonder how much that is um, of her her realizing that um, like there's nothing to be ashamed of for being Asian and to be proud mm-hmm. of her ethnicity versus how much that is because Korean um, Korean things and like Asian things in general are like becoming like a pop culture type trend like with k-pop mm-hmm. k-drama everything and anime i wonder how much it is that she's yeah i th- i wonder how much it is that um she's just following what's popular or like um, yeah you know doing what's popular versus how much she appreciates her culture that is very true yeah but um you know no judgment <laughs> you do you <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and we on the topic of being trying to americanize yourself and even quote-unquote whitewashing yourself what is the difference between being whitewashed and just being american 
Wait, that is That's like a super hard such question, a trippy to, question. Ask, to answer. Yeah. Because, um, like, like what is being whitewashed? Like, what is being white? Is speaking English being white? Or like, is like what is, you know, being whitewashed? Like, and is it constructing to tell people who have a different style? Like, um, for example, like people who want to wear like more low key clothing, like non hypebeast mm-hmm. clothing. Do you yeah. like? Do we call them non whitewashed or like? Is it a constructing thing to base somebody's, I guess, style off their ethnicity or like what ethnic group, um, or or what ethnic subgroup that you like? you categorize them as being or you know is it up to them to you know just express themselves mm-hmm. yeah it's a lot of questions that um neither of us have figured out yet mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. do you consider yourself whitewashed no because a lot of the um i'm still a lot of the, the media that i consume is not from the American media, and I don't really feel that quote unquote whitewashed because I'm very, I don't know, how do I say this? A lot of the, the culture and everything that I consume and I feel attached to is still very much mm-hmm. to my Asian side. So, is that being considered mm. non whitewashed? I'm not too sure. I mean, and also, I see a future in another country, so I want to live in an Asian country in the future. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I'm not too sure. How about you? Me? On, not really. I mean, even at work, um, I talk, like one of my good friends at work is the 70 year old um, Chinese sales lady. Mm-hmm. And we get along pretty well, and we talk in Chinese. and. Um, I don't think I'm whitewashed in the cultural sense. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I still speak pretty good Chinese. I can still communicate um, with the older generation. Um, but I will say that it's kind of a trippy thing because um, the 70-year-old lady and I, we agree a lot on, like, sort of political stuff. And she is more of, like, the socially conservative type Mm-hmm. And I will say that if, uh, like a ph- phenomenon and slash a question that I have is um, many of our parents, our um, grandparents that immigrated here, they, they came here with like quite conservative beliefs about family and like certain values of like hard work, family, that type of um, thinking. Mm-hmm. And is it whitewashed? For, for to be liberal, to be against that type of traditional thinking, is it whitewashed to be liberal, or is it whitewashed to be conservative because you would be agreeing with the you know quote white people, but you're actually agreeing with you know your your grandma. Hmm. And I also think that the differences in political beliefs and also cultural beliefs and whether or not you're considered conservative or liberal it also depends on when your parents immigrated because there is definitely a difference 
so let's say that your parents left left a certain country left a country in the 1970s and they came to the u.s Mm -hmm. they bring that same culture and the same thoughts they have from 1970s towards the u.s and they keep that same thinking and same beliefs from that time onwards but then let's say Mm -hmm. if you move if you go back and you have like a you go back to visit your family in that same country and it's now 2021 and it's just mm-hmm. you can notice a may a big difference in the way that in the different beliefs that they have because that certain country that, that your parents left they also mm-hmm. evolve and they change their beliefs and their political beliefs over time so the people who grew up in that in the original country grew up thinking very different beliefs than your parents did so maybe that might yeah, be a difference w- in what you would consider whitewashed or not yeah and the final question that goes on about this topic is like why are we sort of wasting not wasting but spending so much like brain power trying to to sort of categorize people and ourselves as in like whitewashed or not whitewashed and Mm -hmm. i don't think ellie nor i personally do this like consciously but the way some people i guess um, take pride in either being whitewashed or either being not whitewashed or shame other people for being whitewashed or shame people for not being you know whitewashed like the fact that it's taking up so much like mental space to figure out is that also problematic because you know we're basing like our self-worth and identity on a group identity that is like trivial to our like individual into our individual selves and our individualism Mm -hmm. like why put this much emphasis on group identity when you you know you know you're you know just an individual and i will add that i understand that individualism is like a western philosophy type thing and i might be whitewashed for saying that it is (laughs) you know a waste of brain power to to focus your (laughs) self-worth and identity group um on group identity when you're an individual because individualism is a western um mode of thinking and not in contrast a collective way of thinking Mm mm-hmm and let's end our episode with something light. Ellie, do you say 99 Ranch or do you say Ranch 99? I say 99 Ranch. How about you? I also say 99 Ranch, like the proper yes. SoCal girl <laughs> that I am. Yes. The, um. que- the reason we asked this question is because I've noticed that a lot of people in Northern California, they call the the 99 ranch market they call it ranch 99 even though it's officially called 99 ranch yeah that's a a weird sidetrack but 99 for context 99 Mm -hmm. ranch market is an asian supermarket yeah and do you call boba tea boba boba tea bubble tea or bubble Hmm. i say boba or bubble tea yeah, okay, depending on where, who I'm talking to. Oh, yeah, depending on who Wait, I'm isn't talking there a to and where that... Per- yeah, depend. Yeah, East Coast people, they call it bubble tea. And then, like, West Coast, like, especially LA people, call it boba. Oh, and I think... That's the um, difference. Yeah. Australians, they call it bubble tea. 
And also in Singapore. Oh. We call it bubble tea. Oh. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, do you think the reason why we call it boba here is because there's such a large population of, like, Mandarin-speaking people. And in Mandarin, like, boba is, it's like boba nai cha. So, like, they say it more often. And that's how people call here call it boba instead of just, like, bubble tea. I thought, okay, well, I don't know Whereas, how like, you say it in Mandarin, but then in Cantonese, it's zhenju lai ta. So it's pearl tea. Oh, because oh, you're from Hong Kong. Wait, I forgot. No, people, people, people say there's pearl tea, right? Is it bubble tea or pearl tea? I don't remember. Wait, I feel like from if you're from Hong Kong, you call the bubbles, like the boba thingies, in bubble tea, you call them pearls, even though they're boba. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. It, okay. <laughs> right yeah that's true yeah <laughs> okay so on that happy note thank you so much for listening to today's podcast and we'll see you in the next one bye bye <laughs>